to the Going Deeper podcast with Shane Dwyer. Chance to break open things that lie at the heart of the Catholic faith. Each month, Shane will be in discussion with a different guest who is seeking to live out their Catholic faith today. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to our weekly podcast series on different aspects of living the Catholic Christian faith today. My name's Shane Dwyer, and I'm your host throughout the series. And each month I'm joined by a different guest who brings their thoughts and experience to our discussion. And this week we are joined by Zach Parnell. Zach has been part of the Youth and Young Adults Formation Team at Evangelization Brisbane. As always, we'll be discussing a little about our favourite passages of Scripture as they help us understand this faith that is so central to our lives. And the topic we have in mind today is, Does God care. So Zach, uh, welcome here today. It's good to see you. Yeah, likewise Shane. Perhaps, you know, just in a, in a second or two, you know, you imagine you're meeting somebody for the first time and you've got 30 seconds to say something about who you are. Uh, what would you say? Um, well, I'm 26 years old. I have a beautiful wife and um, a one-year-old little boy and uh, another one on the way. Been uh, working here in Brisbane for the Archdiocese for a, a year and a bit, but working for the church pretty much since I graduated high school. Um, I met Jesus when I was 16 and pretty much spent my life since then learning more about him and trying to invite people into a relationship with him and his church. And I love exercise, um, running, I love music, guitar, drums, all that sort of stuff. And um, yeah, just uh, I love a good burrito as well. GYG, it's just hits the spot. <laughs> That's pretty much me in a nutshell, really. Oh, good. Well, look, uh, Zach, we'll get to know more about you, particularly uh, in terms of the way that you respond to your faith mm. uh, as these uh, as these sessions are, are uh, sort of recorded and we have these conversations. But, um, okay, let's just pick up on... Uh, the first, this topic, you know, does God care? That's that's when I was, I was reading your uh, preparation for this. Uh, that was sort of the title that came to mind for me. Uh, and it was premised on this passage from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Would you mind reading it out for us? Sure thing. Think of us in this way, as servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they should be found trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. I do not even judge myself. I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Thanks, Zach. Uh, for anyone listening, if you want to look it up, so that's 1 Corinthians 4, 1 to 5. It's not one of those light passages of Scripture, is it? You know, it's not one of the fluffy ones? No. Uh, it's one of the good things about Paul. Is, uh, you know, is Paul somebody you've read a bit over the years? Yeah, especially when I first came into my faith and I realized that um, a lot of the things that he was talking to those people about in the Bible, like he's actually talking to me about as well. So oh, I okay. a good relationship with Paul, actually. you got a good relationship. Well, no, he actually calls me out a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, he does with all of us. He's, he's one of those, uh, those interesting figures, isn't he, where he has that element of um, deep faithfulness in Christ mm. and, uh, and taking that really seriously. And yet every now and then he sort of feels a little bit like an Old Testament figure. You know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. he's really telling it like it is uh -huh. and laying it down. Straight shooter. A straight shooter. I think he and Jeremiah probably would have got on quite well. Yeah. 
So we're going to unpack this a little bit and, uh, and sort of see where it takes us. Um, as I was looking at your notes and, uh, and just, you know, what had impacted on you in preparation for this, you, you talked about the fact that uh, Paul is talking about a mystery mm. that, uh, that we've been entrusted with. Um, what's, what's, why did that word mystery come to mind for you? Yeah, I think when it comes to belief in God, like it is a bit of a mystery, especially when you you go through life and you experience things. And um, I think one of the mysteries is, you know, like, well, how could you believe in God and in the way that the world is, you know, considering there's there's pain and suffering, the classic, you know, is it theodicy? Mm. Um, and I guess as Christians, and especially those of us involved in ministry, like we are stewards of those mysteries. We are responsible for helping people deal with these big questions in life and that's something that i've been pondering on a lot lately myself mm. there is that uh, that word mystery is sort of associated isn't it i mean paul references it uh, obviously in this text and uh, and sometimes when you know we we talk about particularly our understanding of god and, and everything to do with that we're aware that we're in something that's bigger than we can fully comprehend mm. How was it, you know, say in your own faith experience, if you don't mind me sort of dwelling into that, I, just do it to the to the degree that you're comfortable. Um, you know, your own relationship with God, your own relationship with this mystery, what, what's sort of at the heart of that for you? I can try to phrase that question again, sorry. Yeah. So we all, you, you're called into this relationship with God and and uh, and you're dealing with this being who's, who's so much more than we can imagine. So how do you start with that? Very small. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Say yeah. more about that. Um, like, I think it's easy for us, Some, I think today especially, like, I think we all overestimate our own importance. Like, if it doesn't make sense to me, then it mustn't make sense. Or if it doesn't, if I can't understand it, then it's just absolute nonsense. Um, but I think I've been blessed in the sense to be like, I, I think I was knocked for six, really. I was like, I was showing, well, God is real. And I was very convicted of that. And it's like, well, none of these things make sense. So maybe I don't understand them. You know what I mean? And so since that encounter, that really powerful encounter, I was 16 years old, I've had to wrestle with these things, but I've been wrestling with them knowing that God is real first, if that makes sense. All of this other stuff has just made, it, it's easier to understand once you've had such an encounter. Yeah. So very small. That's how. I've approached it. Yeah, and look, I, I reckon that's probably the starting point, isn't it? You know, that realisation, I think it comes up in the book of Job in a big way. Mm. Where um, where were you? Yeah, where were you when? And uh, and, and the realisation that Job comes to, that uh, that God is God and he is not, mm. and uh, which is really the, uh, the fundamental response that God gives to anyone, um, which of course is the faith response. Uh, beyond the sort of the scientific mm -hmm. sort of response that we're sort of used to today. Mm. What's it like, you know, a young man of faith like yourself, trying to live your faith in a world that says the only things that are real are those things that are provable? Where do you start with somebody who just sort of says, prove it? Great. I think if someone were to ask me to prove it um, through science... I guess I would ask them to answer my English assignment with a maths equation 
you know, if science is the study of the physical and natural world, we know that God is neither physical nor in the natural world. And so it's just like asking, you know, whether a triangle can have four sides. It's not a really sensible question to ask. But in saying that, I do believe that science has so many things that can lead us to a, a greater or a deeper belief in God if we look at all of the um, constants that were necessary for the establishment of a universe that sustains life and how small they were and how much, if they were off by a fraction this way or a fraction that way by the rate at which the universe expanded um, or the speed at which particles collided, like you wouldn't have elements that we have today. And so you're kind of like, man, like the chances of us being here are so slim. And it's like, well, maybe there was some sort of divine force that was guiding that process that got us to where we are today so for me i to believe that faith and science don't coexist is just nonsense <laughs> that's because i've done a lot of the hard work in, in researching and and um reading about it myself yeah look i think that's very insightful zach i'm reminded of something that saint augustine wrote um all those centuries ago he was around fourth century and uh and and he said something like you know be very careful not to be dismissive of science um, I think it was he wrote a treatise on the book of Genesis, and uh, and that's one of the things he said. The faith, faith isn't meant to be in competition with science. Mm. Science is meant to inform faith, mm. and uh, but there's there's a certain um, place where science has to stop. Um, and I formulated for myself out of that the thought that um, science science gives us an insight into the universe and everything in it. Um, Faith gives us an insight into the universe and everything outside it. Mm. And, uh, and God, as you pointed out, exists outside mm. uh, the uh, a normal way of understanding how something exists. Um, or if science was to say, well, we know how the universe came about, um, and this leads us to believe that nothing created the universe. I think, it, for me, it takes more faith to believe that, given everything else that is, as you said, in the universe. Um, and for us to say, well, actually, maybe there is actually sensible to believe that something created or is responsible for the universe, like there is a sufficient reason for everything else in the universe to be explained, you know? So. No, I agree. And I think that links back with what you were saying um, earlier about mystery. Mm. You know, part of the difficulty, I think, people who are, uh, are not people of faith, um, when they, they listen to us as we talk about God, sometimes the way that we talk about God is actually limited. And so they look at that and they think that can't be true. You know, that um, you know that God's an old man in the sky um, throwing thunderbolts at people if he's upset with them. You know, that's sort of that cliched view of God. And uh, whereas I think we do ourselves and the people who are listening to us um, significant benefit if we focus on the reality that, that God is so much more than we can possibly imagine. Uh, God is mystery. God is reality, but God is mystery. And, uh, and our tidy ways, uh, our limited ways of talking about God um, often don't work for people. Yeah, but I suppose that raises the question, you know, um, I don't know what you think about this, um, but p- perhaps, you know, think about it in light of your own experience, and that is the word experience, that is to say sometimes when you're dealing with people and they're looking to know God, arguments are useful, 
but experience is more useful. Have you come across that in your, in your own experience? Or you know, how does it work for you with regard to that? Yeah, I think you can, a lot of the time, you could, you could provide an, a smackdown syllogism, you know, completely logical, makes 100% sense. But at the end of the day, if, if it's not tangible, if, it, if it's not able to be spoken in, in, a, in a way that they understand, you, just be, you may as well be speaking another language, you know. Um, and so I, I will always start by sharing from, from my own personal experience, you know, and um, it's just, it's the starting point. You have to start with experience. Look, I think so. I mean, some people, I suppose, come to it intellectually, but, uh, but if they do, um, experience has got to get in there somewhere. Um, I'm reminded... I think it does, otherwise it ends up being like um, a seed that's planted amongst thorns, you know, like... The seed of faith, you know, it can be planted in, in many different ways. You can have an emotional experience, an intellectual experience. Um, but unless it has all of the different things together, like I think it does end up being choked or withering or shooting up too quickly. Oh, look, I, I fully agree. I w- I'm reminded of um, there's a, a scene out of the life of, uh, of a Jewish philosopher by the name of Edith Stein. She, uh, she actually ultimately became a Catholic uh, and then a Carmelite nun. Uh, and then uh, was put to death um, in, uh, as part of the, uh, uh, you know, the, clean, the Nazi cleansing in, in during, the, during the Second World War. And, uh, but anyway, obviously before she died, she was writing about her faith experience. She was a philosopher uh, and so was coming gradually to the realisation of the truth of Jesus Christ. She's doing it intellectually and she just sort of realised it made a lot of sense in terms of her experience of God or what have you. But what converted her, if you like, is uh, one day she's, she's standing in a cathedral somewhere in Europe, I don't know where, and she sees an old woman come in, um, genuflect, uh, say uh, a little prayer and then leave. And she was so struck by the simplicity and the beauty of what that old woman did much more so than by all the intellectual arguments that, um, that she had been wrestling with over the previous years and, and what have you. Can you say, look, Zach, again, I don't want to put you on the, on the spot, but um, can you think of a, of a moment in your own life? You, you talked about when you were 16, but perhaps something a little bit more recent even, where you just know that you're experiencing God. Mm. Yeah, my, my moment when I was 16 was exactly that. Like it was seeing a young man who lived his life for others because of relationship with Jesus and our lives were very similar be- before that, you know, and he turned his whole life around through that and, and seeing the impact he made on others was like what inspired me for that. But a, a more recent example was... Um, probably has to be the death of my dad he's just recently passed away a few weeks ago um and if we were to go back to some of the themes we were talking about at the start you know like the reality is he drank himself into an early grave you know um he was 54 i think when he when he passed and you know you could sit back and say well how could you believe in a an all-powerful and all-knowing and all-loving god and allow such a terrible thing to happen for someone to drink himself into the grave and cut his life in half and push all of his family away in the process. And I know all of the intellectual 
arguments, you know, and I've studied them and they've been solid, I guess. Um, especially the the watchmaker argument is a, one of the ones that people use, you know, that in order to make sense of that theodicy, it's like, well, then God set up the universe, got it all in motion. That sits with our under- metaphysical understanding of the creation of the universe. But he's not involved. He sits back on his chair and he's just letting us sort it out. And we're just going through the motions. And at first you might look at that and it might look like it gives you some comfort as to why the world is the way that it is. But for me, it just didn't cut it. You know, it doesn't cut it. Um, I don't think it provides anywhere near enough comfort as what you need when times get really bad and you experience the grief that that I was experiencing of um, a dad passing away who um, he never met his grandson. He never got to meet my my little boy. And um, I just, it kills me. And um, that's real grief, you know, and... To think that God did nothing is unthinkable. It's so much easier for me to believe that God was there the whole time, fighting every minute for him, you know, to choose the light, to choose a different life for himself, to put in the work to overcome that addiction. Um, A God that is involved, right, and is there with us in our suffering is far easier to believe than a God who is a watchmaker God who just set the universe in motion and is not active at all. I couldn't believe in in that God. But in these last few weeks, I've just realized that he was there with my dad the whole time, the whole battle. And he's here with me. He's grieving with me, the loss of his loved ones. Um, and the cool thing about our Christian faith is the only only faith that makes sense of this really because Jesus suffered and died, you know, and it's just absolutely wild to think about. And there's something redemptive about it to know that he, he doesn't just like sit there and watch us. He's literally been there through it. He he lo- lost his dad. He lost Joseph, you know, and he would have experienced that grief as well. And it's for me, that's been something that has really helped me get through this, this time of grief, you know. So that's a more recent experience of it. Mm. Look, I think. Look, I really appreciate you sharing that with us, Zach. I, I um, you know, sometimes we've got these things that we're, we're sort of carrying, and uh, and depending on the circumstances, you know, you t- you might touch on them, but every now and then, you know, we've got to, um, I suppose, allow ourselves to enter into them more deeply. I, I think I think you're quite right. The sort of the mystery of the Christian faith, if you like, is this reality that um, that God hasn't just wound up the universe and then left us to it, that uh, that God has in fact entered into the reality of the human condition uh, and taken, taken it all on. And in fact, the Christian cannot say that, uh, that we have a God who does not understand. Mm. He looks at your experience, he looks at your dad, he you know, looks at my experience, uh, and, uh, and he, he knows it and he understands it fully. Um, and in a, in a very real sense, feels it in the sense of participates in it. Mm. Um, but somebody that I follow a little bit, he's a bit of a spiritual guru for me, I suppose, and, uh, and I was listening to a podcast from him recently, and one of the things he said was, um, God, God protects us from nothing, but sustains us through everything. 
I didn't quite agree. I, th- I think uh, there are probably things we will never know that God has protected us from. But there are certainly some things we do have to go through them, we do have to endure them. And this thought that God sustains us throughout that is, um, well, it's what keeps me going. Mm. Yeah. And I, I get that now, you know? And as I've been pondering on these mysteries and like trying to make sense of them, um, I think the Lord revealed to me something really cool. And this is kind of like, it's a little bit of a funny story that might bring the mood up a bit. Um, you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking like, well, okay, if he was really fighting for my dad, why didn't he just stop him from drinking, you know? Um, and I, there's obviously the free will determinism debate, you know, why did God give us free will? It's well, because we, he wants to really love us and he wants us to choose to love him. And that's, that's the argument as it goes anyway. And I'm like, that's crap. Like, when you're, when you're sitting in the thick of it, you are really like, that's just absolute freaking rubbish. Surely he could have done something about this. Um, but I get it now because I've, I've also got, as I said at the start, a little one-year-old. And um, breakfast is an absolute mess if I leave him to it on his own. And it is so much easier for me to scoop in and feed him myself. And when I'm in a rush, you can guarantee that's what I'm going to do. But it's not the loving thing to do because he has to learn how to feed himself. He's got to learn how to do it for himself. He has to learn. Otherwise, I am not respecting his freedom. I'm not respecting his dignity as a human person, as someone who can do things for themselves. So I have to let him make a mess of it, you know? And I was reflecting on this. I'm like, oh my gosh, the free will argument actually does make sense. Like, it's not rubbish because we have to learn how to do this ourselves. Like, that's the most loving thing to do. And I have to let my son eat his breakfast by himself, even if I have to make clean up an absolute mess afterwards. I think that's a, um, that's a beautiful insight and probably a reasonable place for us to finish up here on this first um, session together, Zach. The, uh, everyone, you know, just, just give some thought to that. You know, you've been in that experience before, particularly with little ones, and you're watching them establish themselves and work out who they are and get up to all sorts of things and there must be times where uh, you want to you want to s- swoop in and do it for them and understanding that the God relates to us like that that um, he allows the mess uh, and knows what he's going to do about the mess you know it's an extraordinary thing to do with faith and uh and isn't that a, you know, a, a, a beautiful point to end on? So everybody, look, um, I just want to thank Zach uh, on your behalf, everyone. Good on you, Zach. I appreciate that. Thanks, mate. Yeah. And uh, we'll have another chat um, next week. But everybody, you know, look, if you've got any thoughts and any questions, then uh, feel free to get back in touch with us. You know the address by now. It's formation at bne.catholic.net.au. And we'll talk to you next week.